If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. So I recently had an amazing opportunity to talk about this topic on live TV and I think that it's just, it's a timely thing to start my podcast with. And it's basically reset and de-stress. So, you know, stress is still a huge factor in today's world. And it is such a major problem that is affecting people both mentally and physically. According to the American Psychological Association, stress affects all systems of the body. That's right. Every major system of our body, it can be affected by stress. Now, WebMD reported that 43% of all adults suffer adverse health effects from stress, like high blood pressure, skin conditions, depression, and anxiety. And 75 to 90% of all doctor's office visits are for stress-related ailments and complaints. That number is staggering. So I always like to say, at any time during the day, you can press the reset button right? And reset your day, just like you reboot your computer when it's not functioning properly. So here are my five tips to reset your day and help you reduce stress. Step one is exercise, right? Exercise is going to raise your endorphins. It's going to get your heart rate up, and that is going to help you reduce your stress. So take a walk in nature, dance to your favorite music, ride a bike, anything that you enjoy doing is going to help reduce your stress. Step two, gratitude. Every day when you wake up, make a list of everything you have to be grateful for. And at any time during the day when you need to reset your day, focus on your blessings and feel its loving embrace. You will be amazed at how quickly you will feel better. Tip three, deep breathing. All you need to do is take 10 slow, deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. Okay? This is also an amazing way to reduce your anxiety. Tip number four, grounding or earthing. So this just simply means taking off your shoes outside and feeling the grass or the earth beneath your feet, right? This is energizing and balancing for your emotions. So imagine yourself walking on the beach if you've ever experienced that, right? The sun's shining, you've got a breeze blowing, you hear the sound of the ocean, but what's really happening is that your your feet are touching the earth. That's why it feels so great. So just take off your shoes and walk on the grass. You don't have to go to the beach. And the last step, number five, is trust. Learn to trust that everything is going to work out exactly as it's supposed to, right? It always does. And I always like to add to that, 
If you can control a situation, then there's nothing to worry about because you have control over it. If you can't control a situation, then there's no need to worry about it because it's something that is completely out of your control. So I hope you enjoyed these tips and I hope you enjoy today's episode. So I'm excited for everyone to hear this interview with Pasha Merlot. She is a therapeutic comedy coach, author, and podcast host of Let Pleasure Be the Measure. And it's just a really great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Pasha, how are you today? I'm great, Sandy. It's so great to see you again. Thank you. You too. <laughs> what a pleasure. I know, right? When I talked to you, we were, we're swapping podcasts here, which is a beautiful thing, right? Yes. It makes it so easy on both of us. So last time we talked, it was all about me. So I want to learn about you. So tell me about your story and what you do. Yeah. Currently, I'm calling myself a therapeutic comedy coach, which I think I made up. But it's a combination of my background as a therapist. I'm a marriage and family therapist originally. And then I started doing some somatic healing work and worked as a personal trainer, yoga, fitness. And then my youngest child got sick and I had to pivot, as many of us do when crises happen. And I had to do something that I could do from home. But I more importantly had to do something that would keep my energy up and keep my vibrations high. So I started to research healing with humor and comedy, and then combined the two, therapy and comedy, together and created programs around it. That is so cool. Thank you. So have you done stand-up comedy, or you just feel like you just love that yeah. comedic approach? Um, I love the comedic approach. I've never done stand-up on a stage. I was meaning to in February 2020, before everything, but then it was canceled. So everything's been on Zoom. Prior to that, though, I majored in therapy, not therapy, in theater, acting and directing, and went on to direct children's theater and do some professional theater and acting. So I do have a theater background, but not specifically in comedy. I was far more interested in musicals and dramas before. Wow. So yeah, now I, I feel like comedy's actually become more about storytelling and learning and unlearning and challenging ideas. And that really lights me up right now. That's great. That's great. So let's go back a second because you slightly, you briefly mentioned your child got sick. What happened and how did that affect how you're going to move forward in your life? Yeah. Um, I have three kids, two are adults. And then my youngest, Jamie, who's 13, is still uh, living with us. And a couple years back, he went from being bubbly and goofy and athletic and active to the next day not being able to walk on his own. And pretty much since then, chronic debilitating pain, which has been diagnosed as Lyme, co-infections, vaccine injury, and mold toxicity, shit show, all in one. And so we've been basically every morning just trying to, you know, get him to school, try to get him to play, trying to get him to move through the pain cycle. But needless to say, every day of the last two years has been very hard. And anyone out there who's a caregiver knows the the person caring for the for the ill person chronically, mentally ill or physically ill or challenged in any way, experiences a level of exhaustion that is hard to explain unless you've been through it. But that's that's 
partly where, where I've been for the last couple of years. So my work really had to light me up. It really had to energize me because I was doing, you know, marriage and family therapy and personal training, and those are fun and healing and serving, but it didn't challenge me in a way that comedy does. Comedy reframes your perspective beautifully, and I needed that. And it was life-saving for me, turned out to be life-saving for my son. And then I saw how it was healing and transforming my clients in my Roar With Laughter program. And of course, as life happens, people would lose people they love, they would lose spouses and children and pets, jobs, marriages. And every season, I'm in eighth season now, every season something quite traumatic happened to one of the six or eight women in the program. And they said it was just life-saving to have that lens, that orientation towards humor at the hardest of times. Mm, I'm so sorry to hear about your son. And as as soon as you said that, Lyme disease popped in my head. And I don't Mm -hmm. know why, but it was like, wow. Yeah. It's one of those diseases that you can't see that are that mimic a million other diseases that if you don't catch it right away or don't find the right doctor at the right time, it could be a lifetime illness. Yeah. So that's where we are right now. Chronic yeah, I know multiple people who have mm-hmm. it was not diagnosed in time. Yeah. And as yeah. a result, it was uh, very debilitating. Yes, it can be. Fortunately or unfortunately, here's the irony. Sometimes comedy is about irony and like, how bad is it? But my daughter, who's now 22, had Lyme and she missed quite a bit of school as well. Jamie's missed almost two years. She missed about one year and she is now thriving. She's an adult. She has a job. She has a partner. She's active again. So thank goodness that we've seen a hopeful story because there's not many of them out there, but I actually have a, another child who's who's made it through. So we look to her for inspiration and motivation every day. Wow. Wow. So what is the name of your program? You, you briefly- it's Roar no. with Laughter. And the reason why I chose Roar with Laughter is initially I was thinking roaring with grief, roaring with rage, but there's also the roaring with joy and pleasure. So this idea of this like guttural, you know, when you go through trauma or anything hard, there's this guttural like, ah, like what's going on in my life and help me. And and that laughing through tears has been the crux of the program. So it's screaming and roaring and laughing and crying and the paradox of life all at once. It's it's eight week program. I could say we move from rupture to rapture in those eight weeks because we transform and reframe our stories through the lens of humor in the sisterhood, in group. Wow. Can you give an example without giving away too much information about, a, you know, someone's privacy? Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, the one that's coming to mind is, is of, of course, the one that's the most heartbreaking and hilarious in its own sweet way. Like, the, these aren't funny situations. You know, when you lose a loved one, it's not funny. Or when you go through trauma, the trauma isn't funny. It's our the way we find around the parameters and edges of the situation, humor, which might again be the timing was so bad. It's funny, like 2020, so bad. It was funny. Now, yeah, now that now we're throwing. about 2020. Right yeah. <laughs> or social and political things. Like they became funny because they were so bad, right? And so unfortunately, one woman who was in a few seasons in a row lost in one day her husband and her oldest daughter. Oh my God. And, yeah. And it was the day of the show. It was the night of the show. So she was about an hour away from performing comedy and she lost her 
husband and daughter. And the next day, we gathered and we talked about the grief and the shock and the trauma. And within the week, how she framed the meaning behind it was playful and about the the spirit of her daughter and the spirit of her husband and what made them laugh and what allowed them to play and the joy they found in life. And she was able to bring such beautiful meaning to the tragedy quickly. And she wrote the most stunning eulogy, which was full of laughter. It was almost like she was doing a eulogy slash stand-up routine at the same time because she was honoring who they were and their um, their relationship together as father-daughter. So she would come back to the program and back to the group. We all become very close friends because we go through such hard conversations and stories and, and life events together, saying that she was so grateful to have that lens of humor because otherwise it would have been too dark. It would have been too hard to talk about. And other people don't really receive our trauma stories very well. So if I'm talking about my past sexual trauma or religious trauma or upbringing or mother wounds that comes up all the time or or even just body shame like I'll bring it down to something less heavy you know body shame and menopause right it's heavy and it's hard to talk about and it's hard for people to hear people's stories about body shame but when they're done through the lens of humor all of a sudden there's this relatability and sense of belonging and like a oh yeah me too or oh I didn't know other people thought that and so that sense is really liberating it's it's great yeah, no kidding. So I'm curious because when you were saying how when she did the eulogy, mm-hmm. how how can you help somebody get to that point so quickly? Yeah. I mean, I get it, right? Because you want to honor people's life. Yeah. But from one mother to another. Oh my gosh. I yes. can't even comprehend. Right. Like yeah. how you could get to that point. Yeah. It's um so and, may, and maybe it's too emotionally charged to talk about losing a child, but let's say losing a spouse or a partner. There's things about your relationship that might come up as funny, like, um, well, he never showed up for times when I needed him most, you know, and you could think of it as a time when it wasn't so traumatic. And then you could tie that in as a theme. And now, you know, he left and he can't help you anything from go to the grocery store to take care of doctor's appointments or the timing, how bad timing is when people, I hear this often, like somebody who loses a parent while they're pregnant or at a holiday or somebody commits suicide on somebody in the family's birthday. We're like, really? Like, And you can almost bring the rage and the anger and the history you have with that person into it. And it's not it's hard to explain why it's funny, except that when you're doing it through a comedy routine and you're talking about it, somebody else in the audience is like, oh my gosh, I know somebody, or perhaps I lost somebody. And it, and it, why that day? Like it had to be that day. You know, my husband told me he was uh, unfaithful on Valentine's Day, on Valentine's Day. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's the worst timing ever. I of laugh course. about it now. It becomes part of my comedy routine. And it's, it's just funny. It's funny to me now. Then it was like the worst time. Um, but there's ways that we could do it. But but if I didn't have the lens of humor or that orientation, I would just be stuck in like rage about it, right? Of course. And so so we do that. There's there's people who have come through the program and they go to the hospital for chemo or um, scary medical procedures, and they're singing. Like let's say they're making up a 
uh, opera or rap about how bad chemo is. And they're thinking of ways to make it entertaining for themselves. And it turns out then they're entertaining people next to them also receiving chemo. And now the nurses are paying more attention to them. The nurses are laughing. And you can imagine this happening in a, in a hospital room quite easily where people are starting to draw on each other's energy. It's like, and you've seen probably online doctors dancing with their patients, you know, or bringing humor into the room, like Patch Adams is the movie with Robin Williams, you know, right. he brought in playfulness uh, into the hospitals and, and children just thrive on that. Um, and adults do too. I mean, if our doctors could, or our employers or our friends could bring more humor to our heavy situations instead of like, are you okay? Things must be just so hard. It is all. It is hard, but like we want somebody to hold space for the fact that we would like to also release tension and laugh and find some joy and pleasure in life despite it all. Yeah, when you were when you were talking about doing a rap song about you know how bad chemo is, it's it's a little shocking at first, but then when when you kept going on, it was like, oh my god, you're right. Like if I was about to go in for open heart surgery, I would much rather have everybody around me happy and dancing and woohoo hoo because it just raises your energy level into a more positive state. I love that. So yeah, if I'm in a medical center or a hospital, I want to be the person who's singing through the treatments, or I want to have the doctors, nurses, or somebody else in the room who's who's in that frame of mind who can lift me up and out of it. Tig Notaro, who's a famous comedian, she does this brilliantly. She has several Netflix specials. She talks about her breast cancer and losing her mom. And she does a stand-up routine about it. She had both of her breasts removed and she talks about how her, she always said how flat she was and how her breasts probably just got mad at her and said, well, we're done with her. And so anyhow, <laughs> she made she made it part of her routine. She took her trauma and she turned it into comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when they started selling those T-shirts, Save the Tatas. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But it, it yeah. It's lighter. Really, it is. It's so much lighter because really, yeah. if, if I guess, you know, and I'm, I have to. I just have to preface this with, you know, I am so fortunate that I have not personally experienced any sort of, you know, medical problems in my life. I'm wow. very, very fortunate, right? And I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for that every single day. However, I can just imagine that, you know, because I'm, I'm I live this life of positivity and, you know, always trying to raise my energy levels and everything that like that is, I, I feel like I would want to be that person, right? That just, yes. you know, we got this, you got this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing is, I don't think I was this type of person for 49 years. For 49 years, I was not easy to laugh, nor funny, nor lighthearted at all. It was really in the depths of my grief in researching comedy, actually started researching about the Holocaust because I wanted to understand how people survive hard things. Turns out Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, talks about the people who survived the Holocaust did so because they were laughing in community. And right. I was like, oh, well, there must be something to that. And then I started researching it more and started watching comedy like Tignataro or like Hannah Gadsby or people who are using it for learning and for change in themselves and others. I'm like, oh, comedy's not just silly, comedy's therapeutic. I had no idea. And then I learned it, and then I learned to teach it. So I love that it's a teachable skill. At any age, you could, you could turn it on and then keep it. Once you learn it, you're never gonna get rid of it because it's life-saving. <laughs> 
I remember hearing a story about a man who, you know, had it all, you know, very, very wealthy, the whole thing. He was diagnosed with cancer and they gave him three months to live. And he was like, I'm not going to do any treatment. He yes. locked himself up. Do you know what? Do you know the laughing about? yoga? The, yes, yeah. the laughing yes. yoga. Thank you. Yes. yes. And he just watched funny movies all the time and he cured himself of cancer. Yes. I mean, they say laughter is the best medicine. And of course, there's research behind it. Can you cure all ills with laughter? Probably not. But will it make it easier to go through that hardship? Absolutely. Right. And I think there is a huge, you know, emotional component to so many illnesses that it absolutely can help heal and ease, if anything. So, yeah, when I taught laughter yoga, we weren't laughing because anything was funny. We were making ourselves laugh. So our brains thought we were happy and joyous that our brains thought we were hearing something funny. And then after 40 seconds, you're actually laughing. Like now I'm actually laughing because my body wants to laugh and then it's contagious. You watch other people laugh and you start laughing. So there's, it's so fascinating to me how you could shift your energy and your attitude. I, I knew it because I studied it. And then I actually taught people as a marriage and family therapist or as a personal trainer. I'm like, you could do anything if you put your mind to it. I really didn't put it into practice for myself until the shit hit the fan. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah. oh, I have to do this for real now. Yeah. And I sometimes to... that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right? Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was also thinking about my father who beat cancer four times. Mm, wow. And uh, yeah, he was given three months to live twice. And he also found out that he had borderline diabetes. So he gave up sugar. And so coincidentally, he was able to beat cancer because there is some research and a lot of people believe that sugar or that yes. cancer needs sugar to survive. So I just always kind of relate the two. And But he used to say every day when I would talk to him, he'd be like, hey, any day above ground is a good day. You know? Exactly. What a great attitude. And he probably could even say thank you to diabetes. You know, Thank goodness he got diabetes. That was the best thing that ever happened because then it, he allowed him to change his nutrition, which allowed him to cure his cancer. So yeah. we can find the blessings and things if we look for them. You and I have talked a lot about, you know, gratitude and and um, my podcast is Let Pleasure Be the Measure. I just try to find pleasure. And sometimes it's like using good toilet paper. That's it. That's my pleasure the whole <laughs> damn day. But I know I'm mindfully, intentionally choosing pleasure. And that's what shifts me out of the grief cycle. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. So yeah, so let's see. So you've got your program, Roar with Laughter, and then your podcast. Talk about your podcast real quick. Uh, the podcast is Let Pleasure Be the Measure, which again, is something that could be learned because on your hardest and most difficult days, it is hard to find pleasure. If we're talking about pleasure, it's the umbrella pleasure. Some people think I'm talking about sexual pleasure. And you're going to feel very far from that on your hardest of days. So let's expand the pleasure umbrella to coffee, a soft blanket, a, a walk in nature, petting your animal, finding a gratitude journal, calling a friend. And if you let pleasure be the measure of your day, and you allow yourself to go to the place where you're like, what did I do? Not for myself with self-care, but what did I do that I really wanted today? then you could feel like you have a bit more uh, control and recognize the control you have over your attitude and environment, or even the role that you play in the limiting beliefs, or even in the illnesses and traumas around you. What role do I 
play in my child's illness. Like that's a lot of shadow work, but I've learned through my work on the podcast, Let Pleasure Be the Measure, that if I am not good to myself doing something, even if it's wearing earrings I like, like I got to find something, then I'm not in a place where I can serve myself or other people at all. Certainly not, certainly not 24-7 caregive my son. So, um, you know, I I know there's a lot about self-care and self-love and like put your oxygen mask on first. And I feel like we've heard those words so many times that they're not really sinking in anymore. So I like the idea of let pleasure be the measure. It's just something different. Let's think of it in a different way. And just like you, you with happiness solved, it's like, oh, let's just, let's think of these words in a different way so that it hits us differently so that we might be able to um, find a new perspective. Yeah, exactly. And I was having a conversation with someone on Saturday afternoon and she was like, Sandy, you got to follow your own, your own <laughs> advice about taking care of yourself. Cause I was talking about how I, I just had this whole, I'm not going to go into it, but I pampered myself with a massage and a facial. And I go, yes. and I was just like, yeah, I never do that. She's like, you're not following your own advice. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's totally different. I'm like, that's paid pampering. There's a difference <laughs> between taking care of yourself and paying to have yourself pampered. Like, right. I'm not one that does that very yeah. often. You know, and, I don't and, either. And when you do, it was glorious. I loved it. But that's not what I'm talking about. You know? Yes. Taking care of yourself is, like you said, a warm blanket. Yeah. And it's the things that really matter to you. You know, somebody right. else is going to say, Oh, go walk on the beach. You know, I'm fortunate enough to live near the ocean on Portland, Maine. That's not my happy place. Like, you know, my my happy place is in in the mountains or in a window seat under a furry blanket with a cup of coffee. There you go. <laughs> and exactly. chocolate. Chocolate. Right. Always chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like what, what works for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What makes you what makes you happy? Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I do the roar with laughter, which I feel like is almost the same as the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast in the sense that the theme is how can we look at every day through the lens of happiness, pleasure, humor? You know, how can we move through it and laugh through the tears or reframe or get unstuck or whatever terminology you like to use? And I do that through one-on-one coaching and group coaching. And I have, you know, Facebook groups. I did recently write a book. It's going to seem unrelated, but to me, it's all related. It's called My Next Husband Will Be a Lesbian. (laughs) See, there's humor in it. And, And it was written during the pandemic about the expansiveness that we all are beyond what people see in our marriages or just in our lives. And that there's so many truths and quirks and dynamics that we that we are, that I feel like I just want to hold space for people to share and release the shame and release the secrets and get those truths out. And whether it's through writing a book or performing on a comedy stage or painting of painting, it doesn't matter. Like to me, it's like something to get it out of you. So it's not stuck in your throat. Cause I believe there's a lot about the throat chakra being blocked. And then in turn, your pelvic floor is pelvic chakra is blocked. And then there's no pleasure flowing. So, releasing those truths. So that that's what the book's about. So it's all related to me to pleasure. I love it. I just have to mention that my husband jokes all the time that he's really a lesbian. <laughs> oh, well, then you're lucky. Then you have both. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great. What are the name of your Facebook groups? So one of them is called Midlife Mischief and Merriment. And that's a group that anybody can join. 
and it's for midlife people who want to bring a little bit more pleasure and humor to their life. But we talk about all things. We keep it real. Uh, it's, it's a sweet group, about 500 people now. And nice. then Bite Out of Life is a separate group, which is a private group. And that one is for women who identify within the LGBTQ plus community however that may be, or even as an ally, who want to just have a safe space to talk about the expansiveness of their desires. I'll just leave it at that because it's everything. Awesome. That's great. Well, Thank I love you. everything that you're doing. It's just amazing. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners today? Well, the Roar with Laughter is continuous. There's another session starting, another season starting in July, and then again every eight to ten weeks. So another one will start up in September. So if it sounds like fun... Actually, if it sounds terrifying and thrilling and fun, that's probably for you. Um, if it's terrifying to be seen and heard and known on a comedy stage, virtual or live, then that might be the way in to get deeper and do the do the healing work. Do people actually get on stage or are they doing virtual? Yeah, comedy? right now it's virtual still. I'll always do a virtual program. And as soon as I can get on a stage and gather people, I'll do that as well. So hopefully in the fall, I could do both. But the virtual has been great because it's been an international cast every time and hundreds of people from around wow. the world watching. So that wouldn't have ever happened. That's a blessing from COVID. And most people have never been on stage, never done comedy. And so they're already able to put on a show as liberating. And then they're telling their own stories, even more liberating. And then they're making people laugh, which is Honestly, there's nothing better. It's just the best feeling to see people in the audience cracking up or crying or or like saying, like you could just see on their faces, they're like, yes, me too. Oh my gosh, did she just say that? Yeah. I love it. That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, where can people tune in yeah. and watch these? If you go to my these, website, yeah. pashamarlow.com, so it's P-A-S-H-A-M-A-R-L-O-W-E.com, that will give you links to to everything we've talked about from the podcast to the book to Roar With Laughter. Um, but I'm also on Facebook under my name, Pasha Marlowe, and on Instagram, Pasha Marlowe. Those are the main spaces. And I'll post montages. And I always offer free, uh, I call them liberation calls, but it's just a Calendly 30-minute coaching call to hold space for people's stories and to just explore, like, how can we bring some, even if you're in the midst of a, of a terrible trauma right now or tragedy or hardship like right now this very moment i think i mentioned to you is probably my hardest of times and i'm i'm so much better than i thought i would be because of the work that i do so i'm being my own best client right now but it's really my honor and pleasure to continue to work and to continue to talk to people throughout it all so i'm happy to offer that call awesome well, Pasha, thank you so much. This has just been so eye-opening. Wow, I love it. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. All right. Well, take care. Thank you. Wow. How impressive is that? I love that Pasha is helping people with their tragedies and sicknesses and things like that and, and helping them to laugh and, and see the brighter side of things. That's just absolutely amazing. So again, Pasha's website is pashamarlow.com. You can also see it in the, in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining me today. You can learn more about me at sandyscarlotta.com. Please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Coach Sandy Scarlotta. 
My book, Happiness Solved, Climbing 100 Steps, can be purchased on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And as always, I hope that you and your family stay safe and healthy and that your life is filled with peace, joy, happiness, and lots of laughter. Take care, everyone. (laughs) 